The hosts, Rob Velazzi and Jason Dominique, and their guests are not financial advisors unless otherwise disclaimed. The content on Today at Ember is for educational and entertainment purposes only and merely cite their own personal opinions. Know that all investments involve some form of risk. Please work with an investment professional. And now on to today's episode with Today at Ember. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Today at Ember. I'm your host, Rob Velazzi, Head of Communications here with the Ember Project. Excited to bring you episode five. Feel like it's been working on this here forever, but exciting week. And I'm joined with my friend and co-host and Head of Strategy of the Ember Project, Jason Dominique. Jason, how are you doing today? Hey, Rob. How's it going? Doing pretty good, actually. Man, what a week this has been. It's been <laughs> some exciting stuff. We've had some technical difficulties, but we chug along. And that's really what this show is all about today at Ember. You know, it's not only is it about the Ember project and show you, you know, the project updates and keep you informed of what we're doing at the project and what we're so hard to work on, but we also use this as a blueprint and a guideline for other projects and what they can follow to avoid some of the, the troubles that can uh, be ahead that are unforeseen. And they can use this as pretty much a roadmap. And that's a great starting point for our IDEO Launchpad. We have some really great topics I talked about today to do as well. And the big one that we're talking about, the big hot topic is decentralized finance. Yeah. Well, I mean, crypto regulation as a whole is most definitely the hottest topic, depending on obviously where you're living. But... We felt that you know we've covered a lot of subjects so far, you know, from episode one to four, and this one we felt, you know, it's the big elephant in the room that we can't really neglect. We have to acknowledge him, and um, to begin with, you know, DeFi is amazing, but it has pros and cons, uh, mm-hmm. and we tend to always talk about you know the pros. But its pros becomes its cons, especially because it's unregulated right now, which is its strength, but also becomes sort of his Achilles heel. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you think about different markets, especially the one in the United States with the SEC. But yeah, definitely uh, it's a hot topic right now. Well, especially too, I mean, Jason, you're based out of Canada, um, but here in the US, you know, there's a lot of discussion about it, especially because, you know, the tax man, you know, they kind of want a piece, they see these trillions of dollars moving in and out from the decentralized finance world, and they, they want a piece of it. And on top of that too, as well, you know, big banks here in the US that are pretty much now multinational banks, there's about five that pretty much control the world, Bank of America, JP Morgan Chase, et cetera, they see decentralized finance as, as a real threat. This is something that, you know, because that's what it's about. They don't, they don't have that centralized power anymore. But the irony of it is, is that they also see how lucrative and the power of it. Because then you see that the billions of dollars that they're investing into blockchain, into crypto, which is this weird kind of balance where they want to be able to keep that centralized power, but also be able to, to find a revenue source through that decentralized world. Yeah. And I mean, you've hit the sort of nail on the head. And another thing I'd like to add on top of this is, I mean, we all know that, I mean, there's, it's an undeniable fact 
that blockchain will be the foundations of future of, of, of the future of finance. Mm-hmm. I mean, the speed, the cost, there's so many reasons why, you know, DeFi, the fact that it's permissionless, you know, all those reasons make it a compelling case against a lot of those institutions that use, you know, we don't have a choice as a crypto startup to still use your traditional finance tools uh, like bank accounts and things like that. And then we want to move regular fiat to pay suppliers and things like that. But, you know, I, I just go back to uh, a couple of days ago when trying to pay a supplier and I basically have to use ACH. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we all know how, I mean, if you don't look into it, but ACH is probably one of the, uh, you know, least secure form of transferring money mm-hmm. uh, that exists. It's, and one of the most expensive and the most expensive ways to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the costs that are involved uh, with with these type of you know money moving uh, transactions are are. I mean, luckily we're not doing a lot of them, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's definitely always very much uh, a surprise when I go back and start using your traditional <clears throat> financial tools, how much of a leap DeFi is. And yeah, so what happens is that, you know, your average, you know, crypto business will want to, you know, you, you just can't be 100% decentralized. Well, you know, I mean, just need- also, just also chew on costs. And I just want to add too, before we move away from that, you know, some time ago, Elon Musk got a lot of criticism because, I mean, that was during that whole time during the market where, you know, back in May and June, which was just, you know, bad news after bad news about cryptocurrency, where Elon Musk came out and was saying about how Bitcoin is such an effect on on the the mining industry, about how much, you know, uh, carbon fuel it uses and how it's bad for the environment. And immediately experts jumped on him and said, no, look, the cost of the, the, the traditional banking institutions when it comes to the amount of energy that they use, just from the amount of redundancies they have in place, just the amount of you know offices and and people that they you know they have to employ and lights having turned on and and really just a lot of waste. Not only is it so expensive to function this way, but also you know just the tax that it has on the environment as a whole. And people clapped back at him immediately for such a ridiculous statement. Yeah, and also I mean you can you can also turn the argument around. And look at all the people that say that mining Bitcoin is something that isn't green when, you know, depending on what's the actual source of energy or the, yeah, the type of energy that they're using. If you look at your, your average Bitcoin installation, you'll see that most of the energy that comes to power those factories pretty much, you know. Uh, are pretty renewable, and so I think it's it's an argument for both sides. In any case, it's a general topic as whether it's crypto mining or paper printing. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it it needs to uh, it needs to become more renewable. But ultimately, going back to our core subject, which is you know crypto regulations with which is a, a very hot topic, as we said earlier. Right now, in our case, what this means is that we have to think about this. 
you know, we're launching a token. As you all know, we, you know, we we decided to set our head office in the United States. So we had created a C Corp. And from this C Corp, you know, that's where our operations are. And this means that if you have a head office in the States, you have to comply with American regulations. And when you know, when you start looking at the current situation about Will or will they not regulate? Yeah. Will or will they not regulate? There's so many things up in the air of what's going to happen in the future. I think even more is is really the the idea of are are those tokens and coins, depending on the nature of their use cases, are they securities or are they not securities? Mm -hmm. And this is where it becomes very complicated because most of these coins have multiple use cases. And generally speaking, they're just not just one thing. You know, they can be something that you hold in the hopes of getting capital gains because the business is performing, just like a stock or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it also can be a multifunction, meaning that it could be just because you're holding it, it becomes just like in our situation with the launch pad, it will become something that will grant you forms of privileges. And this is why sometimes tokens are considered as utility tokens. And then you have other sort of scenarios where this currency, this cryptocurrency could be used to stake and generate passive income. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So again, it's the same the same token, but used in different scenarios. So and I at think, the end of the I day, think also too that why why this is such a, an important discussion is that, and I think this is why a lot of these governments are run by much older people. I mean, I think the average age of a congressman or senator or people in the SEC or um, or, or the Fed chairman, they're all in their 70s and 80s. I and mean, this is an elderly generation that is having a lot of trouble understanding what, what these things actually are. And they're trying to squeeze a square peg into a round hole in the sense that they're trying to use these old terminologies and these old rules and old regulations to be able to define what cryptocurrency is in a digital age where there may be a, needs to be an entirely new definition. I mean, a couple of years back, um, I think it was 2017 when the SEC was having the discussion when Bitcoins first started taking off, is that should we see this as an actual currency or should it be seen as a security or should it be seen something entirely else? And then, you know, now we're or having... For value, mm-hmm. just like gold or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a cyclical now where it's becoming so such a big discussion now is they're trying to look look at it. And I think most importantly trying to look at it is because of the fact that they want a piece. You know, they see these trillions of dollars moving in and out and, you know, everyone wants to have, you know, their hand in the honey uh, the honey jar. Yeah, most definitely. And unfortunately, the SEC at some point, you know, where we have a crypto, well, we, I'm saying we, I mean, I'm not an American, but I'm saying we because... You're still my North American cousin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the current person heading the SEC is is pro uh, crypto, but even then, it's still an ubiquitous sort of situation right now. And this is what we wanted to uh, bring up. Basically, uh, as we were saying before, since we're, we decided to set our roots uh, 
you know, in Mountain View in California, put our head office there. We have to abide by the current regulations. And unfortunately, the current situation in regards to the regulation and what, you know, the second version of the token safe arbor basically says, and again, I'm not, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I'm, I'm obviously putting out disclaimers out there that I'm not doing any recommendations or anything like that. But the current situation, if you are going to do a token issuance, it's so gray on both ends of the scale that on one side, the position is that if you are going to issue direct to investor, direct to consumer, not off a third party platform like a launch pad or um, you know, one of those other initial coin offering platform like DXL or something like that, mm-hmm. then you have to consider the fact that you will most probably be considered as a securities. But even if you aren't, the issue is that you'll be grandfathered backwards into this regulation, even if it's not regulated so much right now. So basically what it means... Well, it'll be regulated in arrears, basically, is that once those regulations are put into place, that if you weren't following those guidelines prior... Then oh well, of which you don't know, which you don't even know it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we usually say grandfathered here in the states. People think, oh, because you started early, there's been changes. Now you're grandfathered in. No, 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 no. This is actually working in arrears in the sense that even though these regulations are not put into place now, and you didn't know what they were going to be, well, you know what? Tough luck. We're still going to you know uh, put you into those regulations in arrears. Absolutely. And what this means in our case is. It's not so much a question of, you know, are we going to get slapped on the wrist or not? It's more like concerning the current situation, uh, it'd be just like how heavily we'd be slapped. It's not like a question of uh, yes or no. And, you know, a couple of weeks back when we were assessing this situation about we're aware of what we're doing, but at the end of the day, you know, we're we're mere mortals and we have families and we're, you know, our, our identities are out there. You know, we're not operating this business as incognitos, at, as alts and things like that with the, you know, I'm, I'm cowboy two, three, five. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I'm the chief strategy <laughs> of, of Ember. You know, this, this is not the case. This is me, Jace Dominic, you know, and I'm leading this project and I have to think about, do I really want to, um, to put out a project like that and be so exposed. And mm-hmm. so the level of liability team, there. Yeah, absolutely. So we had to think about this very seriously mm-hmm. and, and also in the future of the business, because we don't want to bring you no know, any potential liability in the sense that could it be detrimental to the potential livelihood of this business? You know, if we get smacked with an amount that we can possibly you know, um, payback or sometimes they, they actually, in some cases, they actually ask to get people to give back their money. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you mm-hmm. look at one, one great example that happened last year, if you look at Telegram with their protocol and blockchain that they decided to, to launch and they raised $1.7 billion, they actually had to 
give back $1.6 billion back to the investors because basically they weren't abiding by this, this whole current situation. So they, they basically stopped the project altogether. And these are things that we have to consider. Telegram's a massive organization, a huge company with a lot of you know, potential revenue streams. And even though they have their own blockchain, they can survive. But other businesses, <laughs> that, could be, that could be a death blow. You know, something like that. They, they're finished before they even started. Other organizations oh. have the ability to, you know, if you're, if you're a huge you know, conglomerate, I'm going to call it you know, Telegram a conglomerate, basically. But if you have the resources to be able to survive that kind of friction and setback, then that's one thing. But, but most people can't. I mean, especially too, if you're launching as a first-time IDO or first-time project, it's a death blow before you even begin. Not to mention your reputation and potential legal action towards, you know, either that's criminal or, or civil uh, um, litigation. Yeah, totally. And we're currently looking into, to make reference to what you're saying, if you look at directors and officers' uh, liability insurance, because we are directors and officers, you know, uh, a few of us in, in the business, we have to be very conscious about the idea that the SEC sometimes when they, when they smack you, they don't just smack the business. They go and get the officers and directors. Then you have personal liability. It's not, it's not like an LLC where, let's say, someone sues your organization and then you know, you, it's only coming out of the pocket of the organization. When the SEC comes after you, you know, they, can, they can come after you for personal liability. Yeah. So this, this made us very um, conscious about the situation. And we seeked, obviously, legal counsel. And some of these uh, legal counsels are just the best at what they do. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're dealing with a legal firm in, in, the, in the Americas, one in Canada. and One here in my hometown, hometown here in Miami, which is, which is also huge in the sense that they know this space. Because a lot of people are familiar with Miami. They, it's referred to, as some would say, as the, as the crypto capital of the world. Um, you know, because a lot of the way that you know f- finance runs through through Miami, especially with the Caribbean being so close. So when you're dealing with this kind of powerhouse law firm that's in the top, you know, U.S. news, you know, 100 law firms in the country, you want them based in a city where it, you know, breathes crypto. Yeah, and basically, what came out of these conversation is, yeah, it's it's a tricky one in the sense that you can't. Because we're thinking about the process of purchasing the token, you know, and as we've been expressing multiple times, we want this to be as simple, as frictionless as possible. And basically, we want to end this habit of asking, you know, how do we buy a token? You know, how, how do we buy your token? You know, when, when you go on Shopify or eBay or Amazon, do you ask Amazon how to buy? You know, mm-hmm. just, you just know. Mm-hmm. You just know. So part of this idea of making things frictionless and simple, we're, we're obviously addressing the topics of, uh, you know, these things like token agreements for purchasing, uh, terms and condition, all those steps in the process and, and due diligence and, because as you know, if you, if you deal with Coinbase, or if you deal with all these American mastodons, they have these thousand lines footer on their website that basically says, this is a security, you know, these are you know, the warnings and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So in our case, because we're not, you know, we're not seeking 
And also that we're not, I mean, if you want to go the proper way of raising fund in a decentralized way, it's sort of funny because it goes absolutely against what DeFi means is that you need, like if you want to do it properly, you would actually need to only offer so your initial coin offering would need to be exclusively to registered investors. Mm-hmm. Oh, just like any any kind of you know uh, like VC you know capital raising you know yeah. it would have to be you know uh, where, where that's anything but decentralized. <laughs> exactly because this is centralized capital. I mean, basically, what this means is that you would allocate a quite a certain amount of money to one. Well, not a certain amount of money. Sorry, apologies. Uh, a big amount of the token allocation to one holder. Uh, yeah, entity or, indivi- you, and entity or individual. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it goes a bit against what we believe in, which is decentralized and giving everyone a fair share. Uh, and yeah, that one individual sure that doesn't have so much leverage over over anything. I mean, you see this when it happens all the time. I remember when when Coinbase, you know, this is just kind of bring it totally full circle. But when Coinbase was going public, the IPO that's listed, where they say it's going to be at this certain amount, everyone kind of waits and waits and waits. But then when it actually hits the open market, it's vastly higher than what these people thought the IPO amount would be. And people buy, the people that were fortunate enough to be able to actually get into the private IPO part of it, they dump immediately onto the open market. As soon as it, boom, they pull a profit and then everyone else is left holding the bag. And that's that's absolutely everything that we we stand against. Not only when it comes, when we see this in the in regular finance world, but also too when it comes to, you know, Amber and what our company culture is. Is that not, what, you know, not these certain individuals can have so much leverage over the project or leverage over the, the, the financial aspects over it. And it also gives everyone an equal shake. Yeah. So this leads me to basically what I, I was trying to say is we don't want to be in a situation where we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't. You know, Because at the end of the day, the current situation and state of regulation in the States is too ambiguous. It's too gray. And there is too much risk for us to operate a token issuance as a corporate America. Yes, and, yes. and this is something also too that, that every every major player and, 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 and law firm that we spoke to was in agreement with. Yeah. So what this means is that we decided to split our operations in two, meaning that one part of the spectrum is our traditional startup business. Anything that we have in terms of relations, uh, relationship with vendors, with uh, partners, with the Apple Store, Google Play Store, you know, all of that world. Yeah, all of our tra- of, also any any traditional revenue stream as well yeah. is all based to that through, through here in the U.S. Yeah, so we have all the consulting services that we're looking at doing, you know, in regards to helping anyone go from ideation to launch. This is obviously, uh, I don't know if any of you figured that out yet, but one of the reasons why we're doing this is that we want to help others go through the same journey with much more ease than, than 
how we went through it. And part of our business will be services uh, in regards mm-hmm. to consulting. If anyone wants to come and have us help them go through all these stages, then we're definitely going to be able to do that. But that's going to come down as a service that is offered from you know, that side of the business. Um, also, looking at ad revenues, uh, transaction base, anything, again, very much your traditional startup will be operated through that entity. Mm-hmm. So that leaves the whole token issuance part of the business, which we decided to look offshore. And then you have multiple options now when you start thinking about, well, if I want to take the token issuance part of the business offshores, what are my options? And, and also, I do want to clarify too, it's not just the Ember token issuance. We're talking about our IDO platform, which is going to be a huge part of our um, what, what Ember's value proposition is. So when it comes to launching any of these projects in the future, people that are consulting with us are going to be launching on our launch pad. Well, that is the token issuance part of the business. Actually, the actual yeah. minting and issuance of whatever their, their, their token or project is. Absolutely. And maybe some of you have um, noticed it. I mean, it's, we didn't expect it to go unnoticed, but we are talking about it today. But we created this entity that's called Ember Holdings Limited. And out of all the options that we had you know, looking overseas as an offshore place where we could run this, where the regulations are crypto friendly. You know, you have your classic destinations uh, where you could uh, operate and, and start your business. I mean, some of them are, are more known for personal uh, reasons. You know, a, a person would want to have, but not so much business related. Mm-hmm. If you look at your, your one of the big leaders, finance, which is sort of our ecosystem right now. You know, started initially in, in, in China and got expulsed from, from Japan and started doing his operation in Malta. Then you have also uh, other major players like, I mean, you have the recent one that is in the media very much, which is Tether. This is not so much a great example in terms of handling money, but you know, these, these operations have been taken overseas Mm -hmm. because of the regulations. And we decided to do the same, to keep everyone safe in the team, to keep also our investors at safe harbor as well in regards to to, uh, the token issuance. It's also too, it's it's, we're basically, we're future-proofing our business and your investment. Because it's not a matter of if the SEC makes changes or regulations, it's a matter of when. And when that happens, if you have to work in arrears, then at that point, they're going to have to come for you for, for non-compliance. And just a matter of not, all, you know, not if they're coming for you, but when they come for you and exactly what their punitive damages will be. And so this is a way that we can future-proof our business and protect ourselves and most importantly, protect all the community and the investors and our projects and any project moving forward. And so we landed our decision on the British Virgin Islands, uh, which is the number, it's, it's the second biggest trading location, you know, uh, of crypto in the world right now after the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very much crypto friendly, 
And yeah, we've set up shop there uh, for everything that has to do with token issuance. I have to say it wasn't an easy undertaking. It's it's not, you know, the corporate side of things is done, but now we're we're um, we're finalizing the last bits in regards to operations and you know how you know how everything else will will fall in line, but we're happy with this decision. You know, it it removed a lot of concern in the team and red tape. Uh, and yeah, most definitely. So now it's you know it's all the gates are open, and those gates are are not filled with trouble. You know, we're complying with. The regulations of which we are, you know, we decided to put the head office of this uh, entity, uh, and it's it's not going to be a trouble. The other side of the business, and that's where also the uh, Ember uh, trademarks are going to be held under that entity, and everybody knows that off, you know, holding trademarks and offshore is, is a safe place to do so as well. So yeah, big milestone for us again, amongst many. But mm. that BVI uh, entity was was a big, big step. It's also too. Is that something that's very easy to do? I mean, you know, this is not you know, especially too with this kind of caliber and, and and the people in the British Virgin Islands because it is the second largest area of of crypto trading when it comes to volume. Is that they're well aware of how much or how attractive it is to a lot of businesses. So there's a lot of scrutiny involved. When it comes to be able to to start a, to start um, a corporation there, um, you know the business side of it to be able to have it done in the BVI, they don't just let any Tom, Dick, and Harry come over. Then this is not like Panama or some offshoot place that 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 just says, "Hey, you know, just bring your money and we'll take you." I mean, there is a lot of scrutiny because they know how attractive it is to to these organizations, and because they're still technically a territory of the UK, that you know if things get too wild without having enough scrutiny. That you know, it's kind of this weird gray area. That you know, if they go too far, where like I said, some areas like Panama did back in back in the eighties and nineties, that the pendulum will sw- shift the other way, and that you know, they're still technically a territory. So, you know, anytime they can come clamping down, so they know they want to they want to take this privilege they have to operate into this space to where they're crypto friendly, but also to being reputable and credible and not falling into third world country you know shenanigans. And so this was a very difficult task to do in the time frame that we've done. Yeah, again, just shows how much we're you know the the uh, the founding team of Ember is putting their names out there, you know, and none of this could come to fruition if we had shady backgrounds, you know, and if we had shady backgrounds, none of it could exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, we're out there. This is us, you know. Mm-hmm. We're we're not bad people. We. We're fully, we, we, we're fully we docs. Yeah, they, they do background checks on us. I mean, they look through every little fine detail to be able to be able to open an organization like this. Yeah. So that leads me to next topic that I wanted to cover, which is um, having set out the date for this initial pre-sale, the private step of it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, as I said earlier, they're they're always asking, you know. How are we going to be able to buy this token? And funny enough, it couldn't be simpler. That's that's the thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's sort of counterintuitive, and obviously, it's still not online. But it, it's going to be in the next probably like couple of days, the pre-sale page. But when we decided to do the flow of purchasing 
a token thinking about, you know, the whole experience, how it is elsewhere and how we'd want it to be with all the steps to obviously make sure that us as an issuer of this token are covered uh, all the ramification from the BVI entity to token, you know, token purchase agreements to, you know, just even ease partners. of use. Just also too, just ease of use. Just the, the actual steps that it takes for them to to literally go on through the Web three interface of how easy that can be. And it's funny that you mentioned that too. Is people are like, well, how do I do this? How? And, and you mentioned this before is about you know people don't say you know how do I buy something on Amazon or eBay, but it just goes to show that. People have been so preconditioned in this space for everything to be so difficult, to be so convoluted, to be so difficult to understand with, with literally a high point of entry as and there's a high learning curve where there's actually risk where people have been like, you know, last time I tried to do something, I lost money. I wasn't sure what I was doing. They're so preconditioned to this that when we, you know, we, we laugh and it's like, well, you know, like you said, it couldn't it be simpler of how they're able to purchase. And we've thought through these steps and that really is a larger, broader idea of what the value proposition of what we're doing here at Ember. Yeah. And this is one of the things that we're proud about. And that comes from years of building products, you know, on my end, on Andrew's end, on James' end. You know, we've been, and if you look at Jamie designing, you know, world class interfaces, um, you know, it's, it's just like when you combine all of this with also, just world-class copy and things like that, you, you end up with a product that is just so different, absolutely so different. And this is the one thing that we're proud of right now is, you know, a lot of people will say, well, how could this have been such a hard, you know, something complicated to do? Well, everyone knows that doing something that is simple is much harder than doing something complicated. You always start mm -hmm, with mm -hmm, something complicated. Mm -hmm. And then when you want to distill it into something that is simple, this is the hardest part. And well, some even, of the reasons even, why we've been we've been we've been having delays. Well also is too, because of that. Yeah, of course. And people also too is that you know when people talk about UI, I worked in the gaming industry for years. And when it comes to UI and also too with people design, Jamie can attest to this is they actually too is sometimes how many clicks of my mouse does it take for me to get from here to where I want to be? How difficult is how many clicks it takes the mouse? And, and there literally is entire teams of people devoted. How can we reduce the amount of clicks to get from here to here based on what it is that you want? And that's what that's about is making things simpler. It's extremely difficult. Um, you know, they have entire, you know, people's entire careers on how to literally just reduce the amount of clicks on a user interface to get from, hey, I want to go from here to here. And as you know, even large organizations like Amazon, other places, you know, they still haven't got it right. And that's a lot of times why we've had delays is because to make this as simple as possible, everything from only purchasing it, but also to make sure our investors are protected as well behind the scenes. Yeah. So the short answer is obviously you, you will see there, you know, we're going to be sharing in the next couple of days some how-to videos, but ultimately the whole pre-sale is going to happen on joinember.com. It's going to be on our website. It's not going to be on PancakeSwap. It's not going to be like on DXL. It's not going to be on a launch pad somewhere else where you have to like hold this specific token and then stack, you know, and then 
you know, complete step A, B, C, and D, and then, okay, you can come back and submit your wallet address, and mm-hmm. then you get whitelisted, and then just... No. <laughs> just go on Join Ember. It's going to be a pre-sale page. Connect your wallet, and that's done. And then hopefully in the future, not to give away too much information, as we've mentioned on our website, Andrew talked about, is it eventually even that we want to remove even that step of connecting your wallet. We want it to be eventually when it goes through our app, our wallet, our connection, where, where it's just one streamlined interface all the way through A to B. And that's really what our ultimate end goal of our roadmap is, is that even when you come and you see it for yourself and how it is so easy it is to connect your wallet and just trade the BNB and all this stuff we developed internally, all of our own proprietary technology to make this easy, we still have to remove the one other thing is to make that last step not even, even an issue. Is that that yeah. connection I mean, wallet? Yeah, connecting your wallet, you have to see this as the same process when, when you go on a website and, and you say, you know what, I want to pay with PayPal. You mm-hmm. know, it's the same mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. It's connecting your PayPal account with the purchase interface that you have in front mm-hmm. of you. And this is the same type of experience that once your wallet is connecting and you're navigating through the ecosystem, well, it's one payment type. You mm-hmm. know, it's what payment type do you want to use? Mm-hmm. Where are your assets? They're in this wallet. We take someone as a big inspiration is, is Apple. We're all big fans. I know, I know it's not, not cool to like Apple anymore for some reason for, <laughs> for people that are in this space, but you know, they're, they're a brilliant company for a reason. And, you know, even today, you know, they, and we've talked about this before in our previous episodes is that we want everything to be in, inside of our own ecosystem. And even they saw is like, you know, like you said, connect your PayPal, connect your credit card as being one of those things of where, well, it's, it's just part of the process. And even they said, how can we remove that step? And that's when they introduced Apple Pay and even their own Apple Card at this point. So it's all about, you know, we, we draw inspiration from the best. And, you know, it's, it's all about um, um, delivering that kind of world-class experience. Yeah, super happy. Everything's coming together. Compliance, regulations, technology, audit. In the next, you know, couple hours, couple days, we imagine that the last tick for well secured will be coming through. But as you can see, you know, we weren't blowing air through, you know, our, our backside, you know. Blowing we through smoke, just, yeah. Yeah, and if people, for real, you know, we've been mm-hmm. speaking with them for over almost a month now, you know, mm-hmm, hacking. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, al- it's, and also, it's, too, to kind of add on that, I just wanted to, because people, people want to see, you know, I, we talked about the team yesterday as well, is that you know, some people look at some of these hacking audits and say, well, why is there so much back and forth? Some people have been approved. Well, it's not apples to apples. You know, a lot of people sometimes they're either copying a contract. We, these are three extremely complex, built from the ground up smart contracts that are our proprietary technology. And not to call out the people at Hacken and uh, their email that they kind of written to, to us. When, when even they, These are people that when they deal with smart contracts on a day-to-day basis and dealing with audits, I mean, you know, they've been um, kind of you know, numb to the experience. When even they write back to us like, whoa, like there's thousands of lines of code. Like these things are, are massive. And when you hear that from their end, it just gives you an example of the complexity that and this is going full circle while you were talking about how complex these smart contracts are, but how simple it'll be for you guys to interact and be able to use them. Yeah. So they're not apples to apples when you look at you know the others that have been you know audited recently, and you see the you know those three those those four ticks of where well secure, and it gets to us as well. You know we're like, damn, how can these guys you know? But 
You can't. You can't. It's not yeah, comparing like it. Yeah, you can't. It's 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 it's, it's you're comparing it to, to something nonsensical. At that exactly, because when when you open the audit, you see it's just a token. You know, it's mm-hmm. just a token. It probably costed them just a couple grand to get it audited, and it's a one day thing. And okay, we smacked it. You know, well secure, but what flaw could it have? You know, there's a simple contract. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. pretty. Like there's there's no possible flaws to it unless you want to be very dodgy with it uh, and then start modifying it in a ways. Uh, yeah, a lot of those you know, contracts are just copy and paste. Exactly. So yeah, we're just waiting again for for this little bit. But for us, we're just moving along, and we're dead set on on the ninth. And you know the the time will be confirmed in the next couple of days. But yeah, so you guys, sure so you guys know, depending on the area, that's that's Tuesday, November 9th. That's a base up here in the in the, in the U.S. North America. From else I know, Australia may be a different day. I think it's the day before. Just kind of clarifying that. Or the day after. Or after. I don't know. It's going to be more Those the, people, they, the live, they live on another planet over there. <laughs> anyway, don't listen to us. Don't listen to us. We've been announcing dates in the past and that we haven't followed. So we're just trying to follow like official materials that mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. is going to be coming yes, out. November like 9th. Official news. November 9th. Exactly. So um, I personally think uh, that it's, it's going to be something that's going to fly very fast. And hopefully everyone's going to get a chance to get their bite at uh, the pre-sales. But ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, we are extremely early in the Ember project. And the path on which we've set our site is a very, very exciting path. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whoever comes later will still, you know, it's, it's still going to be very exciting in six months. It's still going to be very exciting in a year and two years. We're planning a lot of very exciting stuff and we can't wait to, you know, be out of those gates and, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and the stop la- talking the about t- pre-sales. I know. Yeah. The, 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 launching of, the launching of the token is really just the very first step. You know, that's why our website is not, you know, like Ember token. Why it's called Join Ember because it's a larger ecosystem. And this is really just the very beginning. And yes, people, uh, there's very limited availability when it comes to private presale and then also public presale for some of you that may miss out. We will announce a specific time. We'll give you guys a heads up, you know, so you guys are able to be able to be ready and we'll give you the website and everything, which when you see the, the, the website will just, I think, knock your socks off. I think it's going to be a beautiful interface and, and how to all interact. We'll have a countdown on there for you guys as well. So you're able to interact. But even then, you know, once we're fully launched on the open market, you know, whether it's six months or, or a year from now, it's still a really compelling investment that is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, it's not just our token. When we see our roadmap, all of these things that we're doing, including this podcast, is laying out the foundation for the services and um, revenue streams that we will be using as the Amber Project to help other people to do the same as we're doing now. And eventually, you know, in the future, as these projects get launched, and you know we're gonna have some, we always talked about special guests last week. We had Andrew on our CEO. We'll start bringing them in as well, and a lot of our consultants. And it's kind of a broader aspect because people that are going to be launching on on our platform will also have access to this talent and resources. So I think we can wrap up this week's show, uh, Rob. Um, I'm yeah. I'm super happy. And uh, next week, yes, let's mention that we're going to be actually doing something special, you and I, Rob, uh, Tuesday. And depending on the time when that clock ticks, you know, and and we we 
decide a time, we actually thought of doing a live show that would begin about two hours prior to the time that the actual pre-sale will begin and also last about an hour after. So we're going to be able to answer live questions in regards to how to buy, you know, questions about tokenomics, potentially going to have a few guests, but we're just going to be there, you know. And I think this is unprecedented just to show our face. And again, you know what? We're doing this sell, we're present. And if you want to ask us anything, we're going to be there. We have a team of about mm-hmm. 20 people strong in our customers, you know, our, our community yeah, success, success teams. Team. Mm-hmm. You know, we have about 20 associates out there that can answer your question. We have a knowledge center. Everything is there. I mean, this... And we'll I've also never seen have, this before. Yeah, we'll also have instructional videos for you guys ahead of time. So you're able to... You know, there's, there's not going to be any hurdles to, to overcome to be able to, to be involved in the project. And also to ask us questions. We, we will be here. We want to be present and available. That's one of our pillars of what Ember is, is transparency and being available. That's what this today at Ember is about. You know, I mean, some people, you know, we've, we've heard some comments in the past where people were like, oh, yeah, there wasn't that much information. You know, where's the product, project update? This isn't a project update all the time. You know, it's us being available, you know, having discussions with you guys, you know, hearing some of what your feedback is and what you're concerned about most and, and what really is the buzz about the industry and to bring that information to you guys. And I think that us doing it on the same day as launch I don't think anyone's ever done that. I mean, a lot of these tokens in this yeah. space, I mean, they don't even have themselves docs, not to mention be live and available with you guys to have these discussions with you. Yeah, most of them are just hiding under a rock, you know, and they do the sale while they're not there and then hope for the best. And, you know, so we're still yet to decide the platform that we're going to be doing it on, but expect it to be most probably Twitter, mm-hmm. um, you know, with uh, the, the new um, the Twitter, Twitter spaces. spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Rob and I will be co-hosting, so you'll be able to come on, uh, listen in, and also ask questions uh, live. You know, and we're going to try find ways to relay that information and audio to our different platforms as well. But yeah, we're super excited. We couldn't, you know, we're just just can't wait. Can't uh, yeah, wait. I mean, yeah, I know, I know. We're we're ready to get the gate, and I and I have to say to you too is that is it how passionate you guys are in the project? Because yesterday we're doing our team meeting. When Jason first joined up, because Jason, you've been burning the candle at both ends between you know, all the legal legal stuff and, and and between development and everything to get this launched. And you know, he sat pretty exhausted. But then while talking to the team and telling them, you know, about everything they were doing, you could see his energy picking right back up because it's just we're just so excited about the things that we're telling you guys and informing you guys, even informing the team. And we can't wait for Tuesday to be to be there for you guys every step of the way. Awesome. Jay, it's been a real pleasure. Listen, for all of those listening at home, this is Today at Ember, Episode 5. I am your host, Rob Velazzi, along with our co-host here, Jason Dominic. You can always catch us here on twitch.tv slash join Ember. That's E-M-B-R. Or you can always follow us on any of your favorite podcast formats, whether that's Spotify or Apple. We're always going to be there. Jay, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Peace out. All right. Thanks. Thanks.